Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Jared. I am the lead pastor here. And uh, today we are beginning a brand new message series called Teach Us to Pray. Uh, We just finished up our Fresh Start series. And just uh, as we move into the month of May, it's a beautiful day outside. I've heard probably eight different people today say, can we have church outside? And uh, this is something I think we're going to look into. I don't know. We could figure it out. Maybe we'll we'll shut down here in the building uh, on a Sunday coming up and maybe go over to the park and, and have service there. We'll have to figure out some logistics. But that would be great. And if we do that, guys, can you guys all commit to maybe inviting a friend? How cool would that be to have church outside? That'd be neat. So let's pray that this weather continues, but also, uh, you know, see if we can make that happen. But today we're beginning our Teach Us to Pray series. And I think a lot of us, you know, ask this question how do I pray? Or maybe if you're new to the faith or perhaps you were never told what prayer is, or maybe if you've been a Christian for a long time, but really if you were honest with yourself, you'd say, I'm not really sure what prayer is supposed to be for. Why is prayer important? What role can it play? What role should it play in my life and in my faith and in my family? Well, people have been asking this question, these questions for thousands of years. I mean, forever they have been asking this question. We all have a desire for our, a connection with our creator. We believe that God is there, but, but how do we talk with him? How can I hear from him? How do I connect with this God who loves me and has, wants his best for me? Prayer is the answer to that. And so We've been asking these questions for thousands of years, so much so that even one of Jesus' own disciples in Luke chapter 11 actually comes to Jesus and says, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Like actually in Luke chapter 11, that happens. Like one of his disciples, somebody who has been following Jesus around for a number of years, who has seen Jesus do miracles, who who has seen him operate and has seen wonderful things happen in their life and in their own life, walks up to Jesus and says, teach us to pray. I think this question of how do we connect with God, how do we connect with our creator is not a new one. And just because you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, and maybe even a new one, just because you're a follower of Jesus does not mean that you know how to pray. And that's okay. It's all right. The honesty of that disciple that day resulted in Jesus teaching them what we know of as the Lord's Prayer. It was a model. He said, this then is how you should pray. And this month, we're going to explore sort of the the meaning and the meat behind what we know of as the Lord's Prayer. Many of you might even be very familiar with this prayer. And so this month, while we go through this series, let us all have the same honesty and desire that that same disciple did as we come to Jesus and ask us, teach us to pray. But first, before we kind of get into this and dive into the passage of the scripture and explore its meanings and how it applies to us, I thought it would be kind of funny to show a video today of, a, of what it could be like and how awkward and weird it can be to pray if you really have no idea what you're doing. Let's, let's take a, uh, a watch of this clip. I remember going to church as an adult, right, for the first time when I started going to church. And I would walk in and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like... My neighbor don't go to this church. I don't know. You want me to call my neighbor on the phone? That's creepy. I ain't going to do that. Right? Then they explained to me, right? Your neighbor is a person sitting next to you. Listen, I'm brand new at this Christian stuff. I don't, not, I didn't even know you're supposed to pray out loud, let alone with this lady. I don't even know this lady. What am I supposed to pray about? 
Lord, help these bumps go down on this lady's face. I don't know what you can pray about. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about, right? She went first. She was praying all good, and she must have been John the Baptist's little sister or something. She was like, Dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse of the book of Matthew, the 601st word on page 1248. Lord, you said, But seek, S is in search, E is in everywhere, E is in excellent, K is in kingdom. You're the Alpha Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. I'm thinking, man, she even know his nicknames. <laughs> now it's my turn to pray, right? But I don't got the spiritual vocabulary to just, but I'm not gonna let her out pray me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, God, first of all, you are good people. You know, you are good, Lord, you are good. You were good to the last drop, Lord. Because, um, Lord, I, I just got to obey my thirst, Lord. You know, because choosy moms choose Jesus. So, Lord, because, you know, as the, rec as the rocket's red glare, Lord, it gave proof to the night, Lord. I believe I could fly, amen. Um, I remember going to church as an adult. Yeah, so... There's a reason that Jesus' disciples wanted to know how to pray. I mean, because it can be awkward and it can be weird. I mean, we try very hard in Encounter to not make it weird for people. You know, there is power in prayer. We believe in that. A couple weeks ago, we said, if you need prayer, come up to the front. And the Bible even teaches us to have the elders of the church to lay hands on, on people. And that even sounds weird, laying hands on people, right? Like, that's not what we're, what, we're, what we're trying to say is like, the Bible teaches that there is power in prayer. But I also recognize, we all recognize, it can be weird and it can be awkward to, to kind of to step outside of your comfort zone to pray for another person person, let alone, well, okay, God, like, Jared, you, I hear you say all the time, like, you should have an active prayer life as a Christian, you know, like, like, you should be praying every day, and, and many of us are like, I don't even know what I should be doing, but the thing is, is that prayer is not supposed to be weird, and it's not supposed to be awkward, I think, and that's why, I think that's why this disciple, I mean, imagine, right, we don't know if it was one of the 12, we don't know if it was one of, of the 60, there were a lot of people who followed Jesus around, but this one guy had courage. He had enough courage to say, you know what, I'm, I think everybody here has the same question, but I am actually going to ask the question. He had enough guts to say, Jesus, I'm not really sure I understand this whole prayer thing. Maybe he failed out in Hebrew school. I don't know. But for whatever reason, he felt the need to ask. And because of his honesty, we ended up with, with some principles of how we can pray and have a vibrant and thriving prayer life. And so I think that's kind of where we're going to go this, this month is prayer can be conversational. Prayer can be life-giving, but it would definitely be for helpful for us to know how to pray and what to pray for. So let's all turn to Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bibles with you, or your tablets or smartphones, turn them on and open up your YouVersion Bible app and uh, pull it up to Matthew chapter 6. We also have notes in your uh, page, in your program, if you want to take notes. And we also have the, the passage on the screen here. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Jesus says, pray then like this. Would you all, would you all read this together? Like, we, we, we're all familiar with this. We've all said the Lord's Prayer together. But let's do it together. There's power in this. Ready? Our Father in heaven heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now there is a little bit more to that in some passages. But this is an extremely familiar prayer. I mean, if any of you have grown up in the Catholic Church, you have been told that you, even in a punishment, you had to say this prayer. How many Our Fathers and how many Hail Marys, based on the crime that you committed or the sin that you, you know, were involved in, many of you are familiar with this. Maybe you've grown up in a Protestant church, or, or even if you haven't, I mean, it's in movies. The, the, the Lord's Prayer is all over the place. And most people, people who don't even go to church, can probably quote at least parts of this prayer. But Jesus was using it as a teaching point, as a model for prayer. It's so familiar, and yet many of us, I believe, really miss the power and even the intentionality inside of this verse. And inside of the elements of this prayer are principles that if we, the principles of prayer that give us tools that we need to effectively connect with our Creator. So what we're going to do this month is we're going to walk through this passage like verse by verse, today beginning with the first verse, and discover how to truly pray. And so verse 9 begins with, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right off the bat, Jesus teaches us to begin our prayers with the right posture, okay? He says, identifying, and that's to look up. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So it's all about an understanding of who God is. So the first part, right, is is our Father in heaven. And what we're talking about here is there is both a nearness and a, and a distance to it, right? I mean, our Father, if we go to the next slide here, our Father is, is, he's good. It's about relationship. He's near to us, right? Like God is, is a Father. He loves us. He cares about us. He wants us to come to him, right? The concept of a Father, with my son or with my kids, like when I walk in the door, most of the time, they walk in the door and they give me a hug and they love me and, and they'll come to me for advice and I help them with their homework. Like a Father's responsibility, a Father's job is to be relational, and to be personal, and to, to say, I am close, I am near, I'm your protector. I will take care of you, I will teach you, I will guide you. And trusting that God will hear us and that he wants to help us. That's the Father, he's near. But there's also this other element of distance, and that's our Father who's in heaven. That means that God is unlike anything that we have ever seen on earth. There is a, there's a majesty to him, there's a glory to him, there's a power to him. Right? So when we pray and we say, Our Father, God, Daddy, you love me. And yet at the same time, there is a greatness, there is a a reverence that should be given, right? There's a power that should be given. He is not a weak, powerless, earthly parent. And I'm not insulting parents on earth because I'm one and you're one. But but there are limits to our ability as parents to be able to help our children. Sometimes our kids get into trouble or, or they get into something that you, know, you cannot be there all the time. You know, if your kid is being bullied at school, you are powerless to be able to change that or to affect that, right? I mean, we understand this concept, but God is not an, an, an earthly, weak, powerless individual. He is, has the ability to, to, to create. He has the ability to, in, to intersect and to affect our circumstances. The same God that created the universe, who lives in the universe and inhabits everything that we see, has the same ability 
to affect and to powerfully change our circumstances. And so Jesus teaches us right in the beginning that the posture of prayer should begin by recognizing who God is. That both the nearness of him, he is our father and relationally wants to know us, and yet at the same time should be revered. That he is for who he is and for what he is capable of, his majesty and his power. Our father in heaven, he knows us intimately. He cares about us deeply but is also higher and greater. And we hear sometimes people say, his ways are not our ways, and that's true. And I think oftentimes we begin our prayers, or, or maybe we even think when we pray, we say, okay, God, I'm coming to you because I've got this situation or this struggle or this question or I'm afraid of this thing. And that's good because God wants us to do that. I want my kids to come to me when they're afraid. I want my kids to come to me when they don't understand something or when they're hurt by something. But you know what happens when my son or my daughter asks me for something and I don't give them the exact thing that they want or how they think the situation should be solved? They get frustrated, right? They get angry or upset about it and they may lash out. I think the same thing happens with us and with our prayers with God. Is that we come to God with our situation, with our perspective, and we say, God, my situation with my bills or my finances or, my, or my, my marriage or with my kids or my job or whatever the situation might be that's difficult or whatever it is we're going to God for. And then things don't get answered the way that we think that they would or it doesn't appear as though God is answering our prayers the way that we want him to. But we have to remember that God is higher than us. God doesn't just see the little hill in front of me, the speed bump. God sees the mountain. He sees the ravines on the other side. He sees the river bends. He sees the bridges that are broken along the way. He sees the the people that are going to come across. He sees all the different things ahead of us. And when we come to him and we say, God, I don't know what to do in this circumstance. I'm coming to you because I know that you care. I know that you love me. We have to remember that his ways are higher. His ways are greater. He inhabits all of heaven. The universe is his home. We have to remember that, that when, when the prayer doesn't be answered the way that maybe we think it should be, or it appears as though our things are not getting better the way that we would direct them to be, that he has his best in mind. We have to understand who God is. Because, I mean, let's be honest, right? More often than not, we pray from the path of least resistance, right? If, if I have a problem, I'm going to pray, God, would you pay my bills? God, I don't have enough money. Can you give me a new job? God, I'm having problems with my wife. Can you make her be better? Like, <laughs> these are the things that we tend to pray for. But God is up there in heaven looking at us saying, I hear you and I see your problem. I see what you're going through. But the issue is not just as simple as this little tweak. And so when, when we pray to God, we have to know that he is our God in heaven, our father who loves us and yet, yet is greater and higher than all of us. And we must recognize who he is and who we are talking to, our Father in heaven. But then recognizing who God is brings responsibility. So the next part then says, our Father who is in heaven. And then says, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Now we're not literally talking about the specific name of God. Like like Aaron was saying during worship, he was saying that that God's name, he says, I am. And so I want to expound on that a little bit. In that moment where where Moses was meeting God face to face with the burning bush, he says, well, who should I say sent me? Because this is the story, most many of us know this story as well, that that was when Moses was called to go back to Egypt and to, to, to free the Israelite slaves. And that's when the whole 10 plagues thing, if you ever see the movie The Prince of Egypt, this is the story. It begins in this moment 
where, where, where Moses says, okay, I hear what you want me to do. Who should I say sent me? And God says, tell them the I am sent you. The I am being I am everything. I am that I am. It means I am everything. I am great. But we're not even talking about the name of God, Yahweh, the I am. We're not saying specifically when it says hallowed be your name. We're not saying the name specifically is holy. What we're talking about here, the name means like the way that God has revealed himself to us. Our concept of who God is in our lives, in our minds, in our hearts. Revered is your presence in my life. The concept, the way I think about you, your attributes. When I think the name God, I think X, Y, Z. That's what we're talking about, right? It's not literally Jesus, literally the name. It's actually talking about who you are, right? So that's what it means by his name. The way we think about him, the way he is portrayed in our thoughts. But then it says hallowed. Hallowed. This is not a word we use very often, so I looked it up. It means to, to dedicate or to consecrate. Or to be holy, to set aside. So the word consecrate, this was something that was told, the Israel, Israelite people were told to do in the Old Testament. So consecrate yourselves. It means, it means set yourself apart for a specific purpose, to make yourself holy. So another translation, another, another kind of flip on the way that this verse says, it says, it says, our Father who is in heaven, your name be made holy. Okay, so the word hallowed is actually a verb, right? That, that, that statement there was a verb. And it's, what it's saying is, is that I give you a special place in my life, in my thoughts, in my heart. And that is above anything else. It's above everything else. You are special. And so when we say to God, when we say to him, my father who loves me intimately, and you know me, you know me deeply, you are in heaven, you're powerful, you're majestic. You have the ability to affect everything. You are powerful. You are, you, are, you are great. And I give you your rightful place in my life. I give you your, you are the king on the throne of my heart. That's what it's saying in that space. Hallowed be your name. I give you a special place in my heart and in my mind and any other, above any other. And it is for you alone. That's the concept of, of God in heaven, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so Jesus teaches us that, that, that prayer starts with recognizing who God is and his ability to affect our lives and affect our situations. And so our big idea, the kind of thing, if you're taking notes today, that is the main idea of the day is this, is that prayer is more about God than it is about us. Prayer is more about God than it is about us. If we begin our prayers with the understanding of who God is, it will then shape our prayers and will give us access to God's heart. And so we talked a few weeks ago about the chief purpose of all mankind being to know God and to make him known. To know God and to make him known. This is the greatest thing that all of humanity could do is to know God, to enjoy him, and to make him known to the rest of humanity and so the foundation of prayer is, is the posture of relationship and respect. Let me say that again. The foundation of prayer is a posture of relationship and respect. Now I want to talk to some of you guys personally here for a second, okay? Some of us, many of us, have a posture of one more than the other. 
Many of us who've grown up in churches like I have, maybe in charismatic or Pentecostal churches or perhaps maybe more churches that emphasize the relationship of God, emphasize the posture of the father side of things, that God loves me, that God is my, he is my champion, he's my hero, right? I mean, there's passages of scripture that says that now we can come to him and call him Abba Father. Abba is the word for daddy. So it's like the idea of running when I walk in the door or when God walks in the room and I run to him and go, daddy, and I give him a big hug, right? Like, Many of us operate under the posture of, of relationship. That, and that's good. But you know what happens when we neglect the respect side of things? We get to a place of where we can say things to God that are really not the right things to say. And sometimes my kids come to me and they, they say something because they're really comfortable with who I am in the, in the home. They're comfortable with me. And they say things, not that are so much disrespectful that they could be, but some things that it's just... You know, it's like, look, I'm your dad, and you just don't say things like this to your dad. Now, this might be a hard word for some of you because, because we have been taught, many of us have been taught, that you can say whatever you want to God. He's big enough to handle it, and it's true that he is. But you know what? In the, in the Bible, in the book of Job, Job was in a place where he was covered in boils. His whole family had been wiped out, and all he was left with was his wife. I mean, Job had it bad. If any of you think that you had a bad life or a hard life, and maybe you have had some, some terrible things, that, but Job, man, Job had it the worst. And Job finally was sick of it and cries out to God and goes, where are you? Why have you not done this, these things? Why have you not fixed it? Look at all these boils. I've been sitting here for weeks and it's awful. And you know what God says? And finally, after enough, God says, who do you think you are talking to me the way that you are right now? I mean, I, and in that moment, it wasn't that God was like, shame on you, Job, for talking to me as, as a son would to a father crying out in pain. No, what he's saying was, were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Were you there? Can you understand what I am doing? Job was not brought into the picture when Satan walks into heaven and says, hey, I want to test your man of God. Job was not privy to that conversation. And so there's this place of us in this posture of prayer when we come to God as, a, as our Father that we also need to understand that there's the side of respect that God deserves. He is in heaven. He is to be revered. He is to be respected. But some of you on the other side or on the other flip side of that where, where you do not come to God from a place of, of, of a relationship, you come to him from a place of, 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 of respect primarily. And you miss out on opportunities for God to speak into your life with hope and love and peace and acceptance and belonging. Some of you are wrapped up so tightly with the idea that God is to be praised above all things that you can't bring him your concerns. And that's not true either. The foundation of prayer is a posture of both relationship and respect. It's not our God Father only, and it's not only God in heaven only. It's our Father in heaven. It's both. All prayer, the foundation of prayer should come from a posture of both relationship and respect. But this is not how most of us pray or even approach prayer. Many of us ask questions like, is God listening? Many of us come to God from a me-centered perspective, and I understand. I mean, we live on earth. It's hard to see who God is and where he is, so we come to him from the perspective of, I'm just going to bring you a list of things, you know? Many of us use prayer as an opportunity to vent to God or to beg him for something that we may feel like we need. 
Some of us may view God like a slot machine in some ways where it's like, okay, God, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to put the quarter in and I'm going to pull the stick down and I'm just going to hope that everything lines up right and maybe I'll get the prayer answered that I'm hoping for. And some of you might even be looking at, maybe thinking about God as a Santa Claus, right? It's like, if I'm a good boy or if I'm a good girl, if I do the right things, then, then God's going to give me stuff. Or God's going to answer my prayers if I just do the right things. And I've been guilty of all of these. There are some times where I want something so badly, I'm like, you know what? And I even tell God, I go, God, you know, like, like I am a pastor of a church. And, uh, you know, I, I have been good, a good dad lately. And, like, I'm thinking about these things. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, do I believe that God is my father and wants good things for me or do I not? In one way or the other, God is higher than me. He knows more than me. And I certainly shouldn't be thinking of like he's Santa Claus or he's a slot machine. God's ways are higher than mine. He cares and he wants to, to know you and he wants to provide for us. But at the same time, he knows what's best for us. But what would happen if we made prayer more about God than about us? What would that look like? What would it look like to make prayer about him more than it is about us? I believe the first thing would be, it would be like a relationship instead of rules. I think many of us, maybe people, maybe some friends of yours, you're like, yeah, I stopped going to church. I don't want to go to church. It's just a bunch of rules and regulations. I don't need people telling me how to live my life, you know? And I can see how, how easily it would seem as though following Jesus can feel like rules. There have even been people who said, you know, the Bible is like a, it's a rule book. It's the rule book for life. And you've got Boy Scouts and they've got their handbooks. This is my Bible and this is, this is, this is my rule book. And it, it's not like that. You know, but, but when we get to know God, our Father, we begin to love him. And when we begin to love him, we begin to follow his ways because he teaches us. And as we begin to love him, his ways become life rather than regulations. You see, God created all of us to live in, in, a, in a place of, of, of purpose, in a place of vitality. I mean, when God created earth and created mankind, it was a paradise. It was wonderful. He didn't ruin it. We did. So the picture of what God wants for all of humanity, peace and love and, and people being, being valued and, 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 and all these good things in life, that's what he wants for us. But we live so far away from that in our natural selves that when he says, no, no, that's not what I wanted for you. I wanted you to treat people with respect. I wanted you to, to not think of yourself first. I wanted you to honor and enjoy me. We go, oh man, you're telling me how to live my life. I want to go do what I want to do. But just like in a relationship with, a, with my spouse, with my wife, you know, we talk about the dishes. Yes, guys, the dishes is something I don't like to do. But you know what I do it? And it's not even a thing anymore. I love my wife. And I know it's important to her. And I know that it's an important thing to do. And so now I do it not just because I should, but because I recognize that this is part of what, of what, a, what an active marriage is like. This is what a relationship is. When I love someone, I begin to, to understand the way that they tick. And then when I begin to see the way that they tick, I start to operate inside of that space. And then I begin to have a vibrant relationship. And the same thing happens in our relationship with God. When we begin to follow him, we begin to love him. As we get to know him more, we begin to love him. And as we begin to love him, we begin to follow his ways because he teaches us to do it, even though we might not understand it. But then after a while, we begin to see that it gives life. We begin to understand. We begin to get a peek of who he is. When we put God above, above ourselves, when we pray to God more than we pray for ourselves, it becomes more about a relationship instead of rules. But it also gives us perspective instead of pressure. Perspective, this is the heaven aspect of it. You know, when we, 
when we pray to God and we say, God, you are the Lord of the universe. You are the master of all things. It shifts our perspective. The massiveness of who God is dwarfs our problems. It dwarfs our concerns. They seem huge to us. I'm worried I'm going to have to file bankruptcy or I don't know how I'm going to pay my car payment or my electric bill. I don't know how I'm going to get food in my refrigerator for my kids or I don't know what I'm going to do if I lose my job next month because my company's doing a downsizing. Whatever it might be, our problems look so large, but in the grandness of it, God is massive and dwarfs our problems. And because he is our father who cares for us, his cosmic power becomes available to affect our circumstances. When we love him, when we follow him, and it becomes a relationship, he promises to see what's happening and to do something about it. I mean, that begins to shift our perspective, and it relieves pressure on ourselves, because in those circumstances, like I said, with us as weak parents, as weak individuals, there are some things we just do not have the ability to change. I cannot make money appear out of nowhere. And in that story that Jason told about how they made it a priority to obey God in in tithing, I know personally that in their life, that their situation is they don't have a lot of money at times. And there were times where they were were struggling, but they were faithful with what they believed God was saying to them. And God says, you know what? You can't pay that bill, but I can. And he shifts things around. He sends them a job that not only took care of whatever they needed, but also gave them excess. I mean, this is, this is the God that we serve. And when you think like that, when I live my life like that, and I take my, my perspective off of my problems, and I look at the God in the universe who sees me, who loves me, who is my father and wants to take care of me and protect me, when I trust in that, it takes the pressure off of me to have to fix the problem and puts it on his shoulders, and he's big enough to handle it. So what happens What happens if we made prayer more about God than us? It becomes a relationship instead of rules. It gives us a better perspective and takes the pressure off. And finally, it gives us influence instead of our ego. I think oftentimes when we pray, and we pray from our perspective of what I need and what I want, we end up getting frustrated. Many of you, maybe if you were honest, you'd say, I have been frustrated in prayer. Every time I've prayed or I've tried to pray, I feel like I don't get the answers that I need. Might I suggest it's because possibly you're praying from a perspective of myself rather than of who God is? When we give God priority in our lives, his influence begins to flow. As we allow God's influence to shape our thoughts and our desires and be able to, to be able to shift the way that we think about things, that perspective shifts and that changes. When God influences our thought processes, when God influences our attitudes, when God influences the choices that we make, his favor then begins to flow. That influence then shifts from internal and begins to move externally, okay? Think of your life as a cup. And if you 
If your cup is inside of your life and you begin to allow God's influence to pour into that cup, into your heart, your life, your mind, as it fills you up on the inside and shifts the way you think about things, it will begin to overflow. And as it overflows, it begins to leak out into other areas of your life. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say here? This is the concept of influence versus ego. When we pray and we say, God, I know who you are and I know that you are great and you're powerful and you're wonderful and yet you love me and you're into and you keep me safe and you care about me and you want to know me and you're, you're seeking after me and you want me to come to you as I do that and I love you and I hear what you're saying to me. As, as Jason was saying, I felt like God was telling me something. The Spirit of God will speak to you. As you listen and allow him to influence your life, what happens is you begin walking in his path, in his ways. And just like we said in the Blessed Life series, this is the same concept. When you are aligned with what God prioritizes, he has, his favor then flows out from inside of you into your life. So your job, your marriage, your relationships, your marriage relationship with your kids, your finances, your schooling, whatever it might be for you, will begin to be operated on by the favor and influence of God. It does not necessarily mean that everything again is going to go the way you want it to, but it goes the way that he wants it to and knows that it's right and best. Because that's what we're talking about here. When we pray from God's perspective, when we pray for God, you are good. God, you are holy. You are higher than me. You are more aware of what's going on than me. When I pray from that place, I begin to trust that he knows what he's doing. And then even if it doesn't look the way that I thought it should look or my situation didn't change the way I hoped it would, I know that he has his best for me. I don't want just God's okay, mediocre life. I want God's best. I want what he designed my life to be. And I want that for you. But it's all about putting God in the place that he deserves, recognizing that he can do anything. I am so finite in my ability to to, to make any change. I can do nothing on my own. But with him, all things are possible. Putting God first is the beginning of prayer. Taking time to honor him is how we reach his heart. And making prayer about God is the key to a vibrant prayer relationship. And it sets the tone for the rest of our prayers and we can trust that he will take care of our needs. So we're gonna wrap up with this if the worship team wants to come forward. Our challenge is this. I encourage each one of you to pray from a new perspective. Pray from a new perspective. Whatever your perspective has been in your life, perhaps it's been, you know what, I've just come to God with a laundry list of things and that was it. Perhaps you came from a posture of respect and there's been no element of the father, the, the relationship. Perhaps, perhaps you've, been, you've been a little bit too friendly with God. And you know what I'm trying to say, right? Like, it's not that God doesn't want you to be friendly, but there has not been the side of, I need to honor you because I know who you are. Like, whatever space you're in, we need to change our perspective to say, God, this prayer, I need to pray because it's about you. It's not about me. It's more about who you are than it is about me. And so some simple tips that I thought. I would encourage each one of you to begin prayer. Begin, begin a prayer by giving glory to God. And I'm not trying to say be legalistic about this, but you'll notice when I pray, I usually thank God for something. I usually say, God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. Thank you so much for, for this, for that. I'm grateful. You are worthy of praise. You are a good God. And you know why I do that? Because Jesus told me to. 
Now, I don't think that if, you, if, like, if you're in a situation and there's a problem in that moment and, and you know, whatever's going on and you forget to say, God, you're glorious or whatever, because it's not supposed to be that, it's okay. But the idea is that if we generally just posture ourselves, that when we come to God and we want to communicate with him, even if we don't say it, but it's in our heart, God, you're worthy of, of praise. I come to you because you can do something about this and I can't, right? So let's begin our prayers by giving glory to God. Let's talk to him like a child would to a father. That's sort of that other respect. That's, uh, that's, that's the place of, of relationship. We don't have to use fancy words. Some of you guys are like, I'm not even sure what to say. I don't know how to pray. Like, I can't pray like you, Jared, or like that guy up there on the video, the funny video, you know. Dear God, you said in the book of Matthew, verse 17, page 902. Like, that's not how you pray. God just wants to hear from you as his child. So whatever's on your heart, say it. Let's give him honor, right? Let's give him praise that he deserves and let's thank him and worship him. If you guys can, worship team can come on out. I, I hope that this series is, uh, is inspiring or challenging to you. I, I know that for me, once I understood the concept that, that God is powerful. He's both near and distant, and it changed the way that I thought. It changed the way that my prayers were. I, I began to come to him not from a perspective of needs, but from a perspective of who he is and that he has the ability. Because think about it. If we think of God like a slot machine or we think of him as a Santa Claus, that doesn't really speak to who he is. That puts everything up into chance. That puts everything up into to maybe what I've done, Right? Like, I had to come to you to do these things. But when we come to him from the perspective of that he's our father and loves us, but he's also the God of the universe, that's the best of both worlds. Now, I have a God who cares enough about my problem, but who has the power to do something about it. Come on! Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home, or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.